I want to share today, I want to preach you a message today, preach you a word from God today on But God. And I told the, the guys this, this morning, the praise team uh, and Bobby, when we were in the back before service and we were uh, having a circle and talking about what's going on, and they wanted at least a preview, a thumbnail of, of what I was going to be sharing today. And I said, I'll do it, but I'll cry. And, and, and that is exactly how I feel with this word from God today. It's, it's one of the most current thoughts that you can have about the kingdom of God. And it's just two words, but the, the two words in the word of God from Genesis to Revelation, that you base your doctrine on, you base your life on, you base the resurrection of Jesus on two words. And the two words are, but God. But God. Matter of fact, say it. Say, but God. But God. Yeah, you need to keep that in your mind. We're going to deal with that little conjunction, but. It's just a, it's a small word. But what it means is, it means on the contrary. It, it, uh, it, it means uh, that you're going to apply the second thing you say to what you just said. It, it means accept or unless. In, in other words, if you say, for an example, my wife, you're talking to your wife. And Billy, for an example, would do something like this. He would say, he'd say, Bridget, you are so beautiful, but. I mean, I rest my case right there. It doesn't matter what you said in the first part of that sentence. It matters what you say after but. Uh, You you better come up with something that's really going to help you out. Because the thought is, the thought is, the next thing I say is going to countermine what I just said. It's an unless, and it's accept, it's on the contrary thought that comes after you've said something for, in the beginning. So I wanted to kind of get that to you uh, so you can think about it as we preach and share this. As a matter of fact, um, we're, we're going to deal with how you have a doctrine. How do you believe anyway? So we're going we're to hit that just a little bit in this message. Um, I'm, I'm really probably... Um, a little bit nervous because Melissa, this is her first time to hear me, and she's taking notes, and she made sure that she told me before I preach that you're, on, you're under the microscope today, so you, I'm really sweating today. But I'm not sure at that level how much I will have to sweat. But I was, I was dealing, I was dealing with, let me just tell you something comical that happened to me. I, I probably shouldn't say this, but, um, but Maggie Cochran is working in the kids today. She's working nursery, so she couldn't hear me. She said, I'll, I'll watch you later online. I said, great. By the way, all you online guys, good to have you. All y'all that stayed home because you went to see Garth last night. <laughs> this ain't for you. Uh, but for Maggie, at least, that, that she's working in the nursery today. And, and what happened the other day, Friday, this happened at the gym. And so we're at the gym and, and, and doing workouts and getting ready to work out. And so we have, these, we have this one guy. His name's Marco. He's just a, he's a, he's like a, he's a rugby player. And he's just strong. He's a beast. And he was there. And it was a partner workout where you work out with somebody else. I'm thinking, dog, I am not working with him. I'm not doing this because it's going to be a, you know, weightlifting and pull-ups. And I'm just not going to do that with him. Thankfully, this other guy named Daniel came in. When he came in, man, I got happy. And I told him, I went up behind him. I said, stud, I'm glad you're here because I'm not working out with Marco today. So we're getting ready to divide the class up. And we're standing there. And Sophia is, is the coach. And she's going to, she, we're supposed to have partners 
well, I, I hadn't picked a partner yet. I was going to just go by myself. Well, what I didn't know that when you counted everybody up, Maggie didn't have a partner and neither did I. And so Sophia uses the pet name that my grandkids call me, which is Honey. My gra- I know, right? I'm cowboy to everybody else, but my grandkids, they call me Honey. So Sophia calls me that, and we're in there in the gym with these other people like around there, and she said, okay, Honey, you and Maggie will be on team together. She called me Honey in front of everybody, and Daniel, and Daniel said, What? I said, dude, it's what my grandkids call me. He said, oh, that's so sweet. That's so good. So cool. So I'm on, I'm on a team with Maggie, and we're doing, we're doing an exercise, y'all, where you, you, you pick the weight up. You have to get it up over your head and back down on your shoulders, right? And then you had to do squats. So Maggie and I are going to be working together, and we had to divide these up. We had 20 of those to do. We're going to do 10 apiece. And my responsibility was to help her get it off of her shoulders when she got done. So I'm like standing back and she's doing, she did her 10 squats with a weight on her back. The problem with Maggie, she's got long hair. And she didn't get it out of the way. So her stupid long hair is back on the bar. And she expects me to get the bar off her back. Well, I did. I grabbed the bar, hair and all. And started back with it and she came with the bar. So after that, we took a little more care on how to unload that bar off our back. But one of the things that Maggie and I did, we were, we were talking before the workout and looking at what it was. And she and I are both just a couple weeks or so into really being able to do these, what they call kipping pull-ups, where you do pull-ups rapidly. And we're just now starting to do that. And we're looking at what we had to do. And I said, Maggie, we're in a but God moment. <laughs> If he, like, doesn't show up, we're dead here. <laughs> it's but God. She said, you're right. But we got, we got on the pull-ups. We got on the pull-ups. And when we did, we were going to do five apiece. And I rolled out ten. And then she got up and did ten. And then we did, the, we did our fifties, busting it all up in ten. So I'm really proud of Maggie. So, Maggie, that's your word you asked me to tell, and I've told it. So another, another thing I deal with uh, at this church is I'm a part of a small group. And I'm just blessed to have the boys with me today, our small group. It, it, it's called No Rep. The name of our small group is No Rep. Now, the reason it is because these boys are at the gym. And a no rep means you failed at completing the rep, the repetition, properly. You failed. The, now, Think with me, put on your thinking cap. The name of our small group is? No rep. rep, Which means you're a failure. So you know where we're coming from to begin with. We've got this small group. And I want my small group boys in here to stand up. There are about four of you in here. Come on, boys, stand up. Let everybody see who you are. Come on. Give our guys a hand. These are my failure friends. So I asked these guys, we're just, we're, we're talking before the service. I'm trying to get a, a, maybe a joke or something light to tell y'all. And, and I thought about this message on, but God, how many questions we have? How many of y'all know we have questions? Bobby gave such a great example of a guy that just gets mad at God over, over this problem with the cancer. And, and I'm not saying he's bad or wrong about that. I'm just saying we have such emotion in us. We're humans and we have to deal with that. And we have to wonder, why is this happening? Anybody ever ask why? 
Like, why the storm? Why the problem? Okay, two people, really? How many has ever asked why to God about it? Yeah, we all do that. So I'm thinking, I'm going I'm to ask, I'm going to ask these four small group boys, what is your why? What's your biggest why? So I, I'm asking them to get, I'm thinking they're going to be spiritual, you know, like small group guys. So I, so I, I said, uh, well, Andrew, I, I said, what's your why? He said, why doesn't Tarzan have a beard? <laughs> so I thought, I can do better than that. Riley, what's your why? He said, why do the Flintstones celebrate Christmas? <laughs> I said, Billy, I need some help here. What would be your biggest why? He said, why is a nickel bigger than a dime? So I've got one last hope, Cam. I'm thinking I've got an Auburn graduate here. I'm really going to get a solid answer. So I said, Cam, what's, what's the one question you ask? He said, why does Hawaii have an interstate? You'd have to be in our small group to really understand this. Let's look at some word today. Let's preach. I've I've just got two or three points. I'm kind of like a fat guy going through a briar patch. I have a point here and a point there. But I do want to share some verses with you. I probably shouldn't have said that, right? So I want to begin in Ephesians. I want to take you through several verses. And I want you to pick out, I want you to listen closely. I want you to, if you take a note, take a note. If you've got your your phone or another kind of device that you can kind of mark this down. I want you to to catch this. Ephesians 1, this is going to be a little bit lengthy, but I want to read it all anyway. Ephesians 1, 2, or Ephesians 2, 1 through 7. And this is the New Living Translation. Once you were dead, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world obey. Being the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those that refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our own sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else but God. I just read how bad we were. What did I say about when you put but into a sentence, that conjunction? Now it takes on a new look. What was just said is about to be changed about what's going to be said. Listen to this. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that he, uh, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved For He raised us from the dead along with Christ, seated us with Him in heavenly realms because we're united with Christ Jesus. So God can point us in all the future ages, point us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of His grace and kindness toward us as shown in all He's done for us that are united with Christ but God. I was all that deaf and now I'm an example of God's grace. I was absolutely in rebellion, controlled by the devil. And now God says, I'm going to point to you to tell everybody else about my grace. I don't know how you feel about that, y'all. But that's where you are today. We were all that but God. 
Let's look at another verse. This is uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 7 and 8, and it says this. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God. Nobody going to die for anybody. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Genesis 8.1. We're going to be dealing with Noah. Noah's 150 days in the flood. Everything is being destroyed. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him on the boat. He sent a wind, blew across the earth, and the flood waters began to recede. Psalm 73, 26. My health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart and is mine forever. I may be getting old and I know that I am and I may get weak and I get that and I may have sickness come to my body, but it doesn't change God. He's still my strength. He is still my strength and he's my strength forever. So I I can't look at the things around me and take that on as that's the end of my life. That's the end of my situation because there's always a but God moment. Say, but God. First Corinthians, or, or Genesis 5, verse 20, talking about Joseph after his brothers had sold him into slavery 17 years in prison. And listen to what he says to this. You intended to harm me, talking to his brothers. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. I'm going to stop right here and say something. You may have have hell breaking loose on you right now and not know why, but if you will trust God, He will show you in a day coming what this was for, why this happened, and give you a resolve of strength. We've got some but God folk in here right now. Matter of fact, all of us have had a but God experience. You may have had an accident and almost got killed, but God. Had it not been for God, you wouldn't be sitting up in here today looking pretty. And I look at some of our family, Sean and Abby, as a matter of fact, and they have Evie. And Evie and this family, huh? Evie. I knew I'd get that wrong. And Candace told me it was Evie. you got to own it to say it. So it's Evie. But you don't care if I call her Evie, right? That's what I thought. We're okay. <laughs> so Evie is born and Evie is death being born. Had no hope of life and living. And could have been left right there. <laughs> but a couple decided to adopt her, bring her in. And she's living past her time. (laughs) I'm just saying, there come a day when there's going to be a but God experience. Should have been this, but God. And I think sometimes we as parents forget that there's a but God in our life. That it should have been this. And this is is, is, uh, every story anyway. It's really not y'all's, it's hers. It's a but God. That she has a but God experience. To have a family but God, that she's breathing but God. I, I look at Bobby and know Bobby and Michelle, he, he shared that wonderful testimony about the guy and his wife being healed. That's a but God experience. Everything was going to hell in a handbasket but God. But God. And I think of Bobby and Michelle that, that they have two kids, Jason. Uh, Bobby had Jacek and, and Maddie, and, and he and Michelle got married, and so they had these two kids and they wanted another child, and that couldn't happen. They were just not going to have a kid. Leighton was going to be born in a tough situation. 
She would have been born in, into a death situation almost. Certainly a pathetic one. But there was a couple up in the trustful area that said, we'll adopt that baby. We want her. Can I tell you something? There's coming a day if Jesus doesn't come that Leighton's going to have a testimony. She may stand up here if God wills it one day and say, I was left for dead. I was going to be born in a situation that I couldn't live and couldn't make it and who knows what would happen. But God spoke to a couple up in Trustful and they decided that they wanted me. It's a but God experience. It was going to be one way, but God. Are y'all catching my drift now? Kind of, kind of get this pulled in. Listen to this. This is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I know it's a lot of word, but you need the word more than you need what I got to say anyhow. You don't have to amen that, but I mean, point. You don't have to be so enthusiastic about the amen. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Listen to this. We all experience, listen to this. We all experience times of testing. Say we all got it coming. Yeah, who do we think we are? We sit up in church and think that because we serve God, we won't have a storm. Because we serve God, we'll never be sick because we serve God. I'm going to tell you right now, you are going to have a storm. The Bible says, in this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Why? Because I've overcome the world. You will have, but I have. Does this make sense to you? So I'm telling you right now, when you have a bad day, you can look at God and ask why if you want to, or you can make up your mind about something else. God, I don't know why. And you may not tell me why, but God is on my side. Isn't that what they sung about this morning? Wasn't that the testimonies from this platform today? The songs we heard were about a God that would intervene for us. Listen to this. We all experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being, but God... But God will be faithful to you. He, listen to this. He will screen and filter the severity, the nature and timing of every test or trial you face so that you can bear it. I can't take it. I'm going to kill myself. No, you're not in Jesus' name. You're going to understand that God is on your side. There may not be a short answer to the question, but God is on your side. And each test is an opportunity to trust Him more. For along with every trial, along with every trial, God has prepared, uh, provided for you a way of escape that will bring you out victoriously. So I'm just saying this. Yeah, you're going to have a problem. But yes, there's a God on your side. Yes, there's going to be a storm. But there's one that can call peace to the storm. Does this make sense to you yet? So, but is this little conjunction that we use. It means except or unless. A but God moment is this would have happened unless God stepped in. I would have died. I would have been killed in that car crash. I would have lost my life. Whatever the situation is, but God. And when he comes in, listen to this, there's a redirection of what I'm, unable, what I'm able to accomplish on my own as to what's going to happen when I'm with God in this situation. So there is a redirection from what I can to what he can do if I would just work with him. Does that make any sense to you? Let me give you this. Also, a couple things on this. One of them is that these are two words that change the world. That, listen, they are the linchpin. They're the, they're the uh, central theme. They're the hub of the whole Bible is but God. 
And, and I, would, I won't go to all of that, but I'll just show you a little of that as we move forward. So these are the words we need. If you're going to be delivered, there's got to be a but God. If you're going to be protected, there's got to be a but God. If you're redeemed from sin, there's a but God. If there is a cross, there was a but God. And if there's forgiveness of sin, it's a but God. But God moments are throughout the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. And that's where we base doctrine in our lives. I don't base my life on is everything going well. I wish it did, but it doesn't. I base my life on but God. But say it, say it, say but God. Okay, you fill in the blanks of the first how bad it is, and then but God. What? What does God say he is for that issue? Does that make sense to anybody yet? So the common thread, the common thread for a but God moment in your life is A, there's got to be a problem and you will have a problem. The other is there's got to be a turning point where you see that you can't get out of it without him. There's got to be a problem. There's got to be a turning point, And then there's got to be an outcome. The outcome with a but God is always for his glory. Right. Yeah, but it didn't help the way I thought it would. It's not about what you thought. It's about what God's going to do. I don't know how he's going to get the glory, but I know this, that there's going to be an outcome of my situation. And if I trust him, that is going to glorify God. It's going to glorify God, and it's going to be good for me. It won't glorify me. It'll glorify God and be good for me. Does that make sense to anybody yet? But if you don't get this, then you're going to go through life mad at God, upset, asking why. Don't ask my small group why. But... but but asking, but asking why everything's going wrong, going awry, and you can't get it straight. But God can give you an answer and bring you through this. So there are just a few things I want you to be able to, to get before we get out of here. At least four. I'll do them quickly. Number one is, what is a but God moment? A but God moment, a but God moment is when God steps in and intervenes in a situation that if he didn't, you weren't going to end well. And we've all had those. If God doesn't do something, we've got a trouble ahead of us. Does this make sense to you? It, it, uh, it, it, why or what is a God moment? A God moment is the times when if it hadn't have been for the grace of God, I would have had the same problem. And there's some of y'all that look at your friends right now that their lives are so jacked up, messed up, and you, you look at yourself and say, if it weren't for God, I'd be just like that. If it weren't for God, I'd be just like that. That's a but God moment. I was that way, but God. I don't know how the rest of y'all have lived your life, but I've not lived mine always as a Christian. I wasn't always a preacher. I, I had a very ridiculously stupid life up until probably I was about 18 years old. It was terrible. And, and I'm just saying that when I look back over my life, I can say, but God. Amen. But God. My wife says it more than I do. <laughs> she's, she's really excited about what God has done. So, shut up. Will you shut up in our family, by the way? Another, another, another reason of what, what is a but God moment is I didn't see a way out but God. I didn't see a way out but God. Usually a but God moment happens when you look back. When you look back and say, this would have happened but God. This, I want y'all to, don't tell me what it is, but I want you to kind of process just for a second. It won't take you long. Just process. Has there been a time when you almost died? You got hurt. I, one, one time I was on a limb using a chainsaw and it was when storms came through Auburn and, and, and this tree was over a swimming pool and I was, I didn't cut the limb off I was on, but 
but I was cutting a limb. I was standing on a tree and I was cutting a limb. I know it's stupid, right? I was cutting his limb and the limb in front of me, when it went, I wasn't prepared for it to go so quickly. And so it pulled me forward when it did. I let go with one hand, had the saw in the other. But when I was turning to balance myself, my, my hand hit the saw blade. And yeah, right? It just cut through my hand. And I'm thinking, I'm afraid to look, all my fingers are gone. But when I looked at it, they weren't. And when it was cut a little bit, but not bad. And I look back, Sue and I will both talk about a but God moment. A but God moment. So you've got those. You need to process that and think about it just a little bit. It may not be a life or death, but you've got that but God moment. Here's the second part. is when do these occur? They generally occur. You have a but God moment when everything's bad, in great difficulty. When people say, I want a but God experience. I wouldn't be asking for that. You're, you're going to like get that anyway. What you've got to do is just be prepared for it because it is coming. If you live long enough, if you live long enough, you'll have a but God moment. You will go through that at some point, generally in great difficulty. They are the times when only the Lord can help you and he steps in. That's when they occur. I'm going to give you an axiom of truth, and this is something you can write it down. You can etch it in granite. You can scratch it in. You can tattoo it on part of your body. Christians aren't kept from storms but they are kept in and through them christians aren't kept from storms they're kept in storms and through them that's an axiom of truth look at me it's been that way since genesis and it ain't changing after revelation It's always going to be until we get into a glorified land with God's new creation, this is going to be where we live. And that is, there will be these times. When do they occur? They occur when I'm not too clever anymore. They occur when I have no more resources. They occur when my health is down and I'm struggling. They occur when my ability to wiggle out of a hard spot is gone and we all get in those places. That's when we have them. So, What we need to do is understand a little bit more about them, and that is the why. Why do we have these? Why do we have these moments? I, I, just, I, I wrote down a few things I wanted you to hear. Listening to the news, which may or may not be good, but if you listen to the news, one of the words recently we hear a lot of is unprecedented. It's, it, this is unprecedented. Things are un, unprecedented. Mental health problems, unprecedented. Depression, unprecedented. Suicide unprecedented lawlessness unprecedented natural disasters unprecedented wars i mean we're we're watching a war on our tv we look back and say if they had known this was going on back in the 30s what would they have done about what we're doing today we we, we're in wars there's unprecedented unemployment I'm not sure why the job's open everywhere. The shortages, shortages on almost everything. I went the other day looking for peanut butter at Walmart, and it was like gone. I thought, what in the world is going on here? I mean, and it's different days, different things, but, but we're in unprecedented um, shortages, unprecedented financial pressures, unprecedented, unprecedented inflation 
Interest rates, now they're going up. Gas prices can't come down. I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I'm just saying right now, why do we need, why do we need a but God moment? For all of these reasons, we need a but God moment. You, you look at your grocery list and you come home and see what you paid this week as opposed to what you paid last month and you're saying, what's going on here? I'm just saying, we need this but God movement. Now, the other thing is, who's involved in but God? And I'm going to kind of be closing on this. I don't want the praise team to come up yet, but be getting your tune in your mind. Who gets involved in the but God moments? And I want to deal with you on this quickly. Genesis 2, Abraham had a but God moment. Whenever he and Sarah were in Abimelech's courts, who was a a pagan king in Abimelech's courts, he was going to give his wife to Abimelech, and God spoke to him. And it says this, it said, and he would have taken Sarah, in other words, he would have taken her into his harem, but God spoke to him. Abraham had a but God moment in the middle of a stupid situation with him. Genesis 50 and also in Acts 7, Joseph is rejected by his brothers. We read it earlier that he said what you meant as evil, God meant as good. And then in the New Testament in Acts 7, Stephen says it this way. He says Joseph was rejected and sold as a slave by his own brothers, but God was with him. In my mind, I'm thinking if God's with him, why 17 years in prison? I don't know, but God was with him. But God... And God had a plan. And at the end, he looked at it, talking to his brothers, and said, what you meant is evil. What you meant is evil. God meant is good. I'm going to give you a little thought right here. The word sovereign. Sovereign. For my small group. Think of rain, boys. Y'all know what that is. You drink them. I have... Usually they tell you in seminary, you should preach to about a seventh grade level. I'm challenged with my boys to try to figure out what in the third grade can I say to them. So the the word sovereign, we talk about that. Well, I've got this all hell breaking loose. I've got this storm. I've got this problem. I've got this sickness. I've got this kid that's, in, that's running away. I've got this drug addiction. I've got all these things. I, got, and, but God's a sovereign God, and I can't do anything about it. The problem is with you is you don't know what the word sovereign means. Sovereign doesn't mean that you can't say something. Sovereign doesn't mean that you don't have a position. See, we read that and say, well, I have nothing to do. It's just all out of my hands. You know, hell in the handbasket where we can't do anything. I'm just saying right now, that's not what the word sovereign means. The word sovereign is really two words. One is sove, S-O-V-E, sove. Guys, that's the first part. I'll get to rain in a moment. Sove means super, super. Rain means in charge, to rule. So if someone's sovereign, they are a super ruler. You know what that tells me about my prayer? That I'm taking my prayer to the super ruler. I'm taking, uh, y'all get what I'm saying? I'm going to go to God, but I'm not going to him because I don't have a chance in this. I'm not going to him because he's sovereign and I have no choice in this. I'm going to him because he told me that I could cry out to him. And I bring my petition to you, Lord, because you are the super intercessor. You are the super one in charge. You can come against this storm and I choose to see you as my sovereign. I don't look at sovereignty like I'm nothing in this. I look at it like I am a part of it. I'm not the sovereign, but I am loved by Him. 
I'm not him, but I'm one of his babies. Amen, y'all. You need to kind of look at this differently because you've been treating God not like your kids treated you or you treat them. You've been treating him like he's some standoff away from you, sovereign, I have no choice. It kind of makes me feel bad for people that say, well, you know, it is what it is. Nothing I can do about it. I'm saying, boy, I'd be saying something about it. I'd be going to God because he loves you. And there's a place for you. All right, quickly, I know, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm pressed. What's the time look like anyway? Ah, we're good. Y'all still okay? So God got involved with Joseph. First, first Samuel 23, David's running from Saul. He's in the cave. Saul's after him, the Bible says, with sword and with spear. Listen to this. First Samuel 23 says, but God didn't give David into his hands. Yeah, but, 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 but wait a minute, Mike. David was running, living in caves. That's not life. I, I, I know you're going to pick this apart, but I'm going to say this. I'd rather be in the cave. I'd rather be living in the cave and alive than being outside and dead. God was with him in the cave. You may not be where you want to be, but if God is with you, you've got hope. Amen? I don't quit because he's with me. And the Bible says, but God. It was a but God moment in a dark situation. In Acts 3, Jesus himself, Peter's preaching in the synagogue after the man that was crippled got up and leaped and danced into the church house. He was some kind of fanatic. He goes in and draws the attention of the people. They ask Peter what happened. And Peter said, I'm glad you asked. And he begins to preach Jesus. Listen to what he says in Acts 3. Listen to this. He said, the Lord himself was killed and placed in a grave. It's all over. No. But God raised him from the dead. I hope you're catching this. But God, but God, that moment, that experience is a doctrine for us. It's a stability for us. It's something I can go to today, tomorrow, next year, and it will not change. It is a doctrinally, hermeneutically sound doctrine that whatever the problem, there is a but God for the problem. Amen? Yeah, but what if you were on your deathbed and you die and God didn't raise you from the dead? But God is still my doctrine to believe. I'd rather be believing that on my deathbed and go to meet the Lord with a but God experience in my life that I'm with you and I trusted you. Does that make sense to you? Rather than to meet him saying, you didn't love me, look what happened. I'm just saying, I don't understand everything. I don't have the whys. I do have a but God for you. If there's a storm, there's a but God. If there's a dark cave, he's with you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you, no matter how bad it gets. Does this make sense to anybody yet? Hermeneutically, okay, third grade level. So hermeneutics, boys, is how you plan, how you plan the Word of God in your doctrine. It's how you associate things. So I'm going to help the rest of y'all now. I got that over. So hermeneutically, when you're using but God, you've got to find out a few things about a doctrine. And hermeneutics is the putting it together. When you say but God and you're going to make that a doctrine, you've got to keep it in its context. That's hermeneutic, hermeneutic uh, insight. That if I'm going to use but God as a doctrine, I've got to keep it in its context as I follow it through the word of God. Okay, so here's the deal. For an example, for an example, if you were going to say, okay, uh, uh, in the idea of hermeneutics, there is the law of first mention. Say this. Say the law of first mention. 
Okay, that means the first time it's spoken of in the Word of God, that's the law of first mention, and then you track it through the Word in context, and if it's stable, then it becomes doctrine. Okay. Good. So if you're going to go for the first mention, the law of first mention, for, to establish my doctrine about God, let's just say, I, let's say I was going to establish a doctrine on snakes. So where's the first mention of a snake in the Bible? Okay, come on, come on. Uh, taking you a while. What? Like Genesis? Maybe, maybe the garden? Okay. So the first mention of a snake is in the garden, and the snake is a devil. Okay? Let's see if that works today. Is every snake a devil? In my house it is. <laughs> but we know, that it, we know that it's not. So here's what I'm saying. You've got to keep it in context. You can't make every snake a devil. So that's not the, it's not the proper context. So, so when you're building the context, you've got to keep it the same and make it work through the Bible. So uh, here, here's another one. Here's another one. Where's the first mention of blood in the Bible? Cain and Abel. What happened? The blood cried out to God. Abel's blood. You know what God said? He said, God said, I heard Abel's blood crying out. Now, there is a doctrine to look for, a blood doctrine. How are you born again? How are you cleansed from your sin? What does the Bible, how, what does the Bible say about how you're cleansed from your sin? By what? The By the blood. Well, why would the blood be over the New Testament? Because it started in Genesis. And God said this. God said, I heard the blood. With God, he heard the blood. I don't get it, but he heard the blood. Okay? The next thing that says, if you follow him on through, if you follow him through to Genesis and Leviticus, and you get in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, you start finding out about the blood again. And the Bible says, and life is in the blood. And then it says, you have to give blood if blood's been taken. So if someone is killed, blood has got to come in for the area of redemption. And now blood becomes a sacrifice. And now we get to the New Testament, and Jesus Blood is what cleanses us. Peter said it's the precious blood, the valuable blood of Christ that cleansed me from all of my sin. The Bible says in the fifth chapter of Revelation that there was one with blood. We're redeemed by the blood. So I'm just saying that you make it a doctrine because it's in context, Genesis to Revelation, and I'm saying this, you can do the same thing, you can do the same thing with but God. The first time but God is mentioned is in Genesis 7. Praise team, y'all may come to the Genesis 7, it's in the flood, 150 days of storm, water's on everything, Noah's in the boat, praise team is not coming. (laughs) Thank you, Marika. So he's in the boat, 150 days in the boat, and the Bible says, but God remembered him. But God remembered him. I want you... Today, and that, and that but God goes through all the scriptures I just read to you in the beginning. It goes all the way to your salvation. We were in sin, but God. Jesus is in the grave, but God, right? So, but God is a doctrine that whatever is happening, there's a but God moment that will change this, this situation. Amen? Does that make sense to you? Okay, let me give you this, and we're, we're closing on this. But here's the idea of the but God. The storm, the problem, the temptation, the trial. Before you have it, listen to me. I don't understand this. 
But before you have the trial, the temptation, the problem, the storm, there's a but God in place. Remember the whys. Why is this happening? I don't have a good answer. But God, already in place in your situation, there's a but God. There's a but God. Don't you quit on Him. There's a but God. Doesn't matter how bad it is. There's a but God. I don't care how many times you prayed and hadn't gotten the answer. There's a but God. That is a doctrinal foundation for your belief system. You're saved on a but God moment. Amen. Yeah, but what, what if I need provision? Boy, I love what Sophia has with the serve group. I, w- I want to find out more about that myself. I gave a little bit toward that. I don't know anything about it. I want to find out more about it. But what if you're, what if you're in trouble? What if you're in trouble? I'm, I'm going to help you on that. If you're in trouble and you need a provider, how, how many of y'all know that one of the covenant names of God is Jehovah Jireh? Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. The Lord is my provision. If I'm having a provision problem today, I may not know all the answers. I may not see a way out. But that's when a but God is absolutely necessary for me. And I've got to trust that He is Jehovah Jireh. What if I need a healer? My body's broken or I'm sick. Then I've got to believe that Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals me, has a but God for me. I don't know what that outcome is. I don't know people say, yeah, but they died. Okay, is death, what, what is that going to happen for me? I want to believe for the healing. But if I die, y'all, I'm in the presence of God with no sickness, with no problems, with no issues. This life, trust me, at 72 almost, this life is a vapor. I've got a lot more behind me than I've got in front of me. It's a vapor. And God is still in control. What if I need victory and I've been beaten up and my, my family is shot and, and my marriage is not going around talking about marriage? Let me just let me pitch this one time. Marriage is also one of the situations that we deal with with the Lord in the situation of a first mention, the law of first mention. The first time that marriage was between a man and a woman, and it's mentioned in the Old Testament, when Jesus is questioned about marriage, what does he say? He said, it is written. He goes back. Because this is, this is, a, this is, a, this is one of the moments that I have. It's, it's one of the continuations. It's one of the areas of, of being with God that I have to trust Him for right now. And that is that, that what He had in the beginning is what still runs in my life today. Say law first mention. What if I need a sanctifier because I've got a jacked up life and I did things I shouldn't do? You need to be thankful. There's a but God for that also. And that is He is Jehovah Makedesh. He is our sanctifier. He's the one that will take away those situations. What if I don't have peace and I don't have fellowship with God and I've got trouble in my family and my mind is just shattered? The Bible says He's Jehovah Shalom. He's the God of our peace and restoration. What if I need someone to guide me? I've got questions. I don't know where to go. I don't know where to go to school. I don't know which job to go to. I don't know either. And I I can just say this. There is a God whose name is Jehovah Rohi, our shepherd. He is our God that will guide us. There is a but God. And your question of what I do and where do I go. 
There's a but God if you're in here today and you say I'm a sinner and I just don't know him and he doesn't love me. I'm going to tell you right now, he does love you while we were sinners. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. He is Jehovah Sikanu, which means he is our righteousness. He is waiting on you today in your but God moment when all your life has been a wreck to say, but God loves you, but God will redeem you, but God is your righteousness. What if I feel like I'm all alone? I know that feeling, but God is Jehovah Shammah, the God that is with me. Let's all stand. The law first mentioned says that but God is a doctrine for me. So I'm not preaching this to you simply to make you feel better, but I hope it gives you hope. I mean, that's my trust. Every one of us in this room walk in and out of but God moments and experiences. The longer we live, the more we'll have. They'll be there. They're going to be there. But I've got to make up my mind today that I've got an establishment on the rock who is Jesus Christ. I've got to make up my mind today that it doesn't matter what the storm is, on the other side there's a but God. And that God knows how much tension I'm able to work through. I mean, I look at it and say, I quit. But God, but God, but God gives me strength. But God. So I'm going to ask this question, eyes open. How many of us today, maybe, could be financial, could be emotional, could be family, could be a supply issue, a job issue, a health issue, I mean, who knows? We, we have so much around us. But how many of you all find yourself, maybe even today, saying, I'm in one of those but God moments. I need, I need the but God doctrine of the kingdom of the Lord to begin to work in my life. I need a but God. I'm in the, I'm in the position. I need the moment. Anybody in here besides myself? Got a but God. Mike, I... I don't know what to do. I don't know if I can make it any further. I don't know if our marriage is going to make it. I don't know if I, what my child's going to do. I, I don't understand about these problems I have. I, I don't get why I'm worried about this. I don't understand the problem with my parents. I, I, I understand, guys. I'm just telling you right now. And I don't have good answers. I don't have all the answers to your whys. But I know God has a Genesis to Revelation foundation that He says, I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And that we're what was read today by Candace, that God is going to be with us. Amen? So I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads right now. I want to pray for you as a group. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everybody that's in this room today and those that are watching or listening. Lord, I believe right now that we are in a situation that we need but God. We need that but God experience. We've run out of our clever activity and we've run out of our ability to manipulate it. We've run out of our process of understanding it. We've run out of the money for it. We've run out of the supply for it. We've run out of the doctrine of the world. We've run out of the ideals of the world. We've just, we've tried everything. 
And we're against the wall. And we need a but God moment. So Father, I'm asking you right now to show up. I'm asking for you to show up. I'm just asking for you to give supernatural strength, an inclination that you're with us today. Lord, that you'd whisper to that heart today that's broken, that's hurting, that's weeping, that's crying. Lord, speak to them today that you're with them. That they're yours. That you love them. I thank you, Lord. That we're the bride of Christ. And according to scripture, you wash us with the water of the word of God. And I thank you today that you've washed us from areas of worry and distress, depression, weakness, in the severity of our problems. We're not making light of the storm. We're not making light of the problem. We're making great of our God. We're making mighty of our Lord. And I thank you that you are our sovereign. And Lord, I pray right now that you'll give strength because you said we would not go through a trial or a storm or tribulation or temptation, that you would not give us strength, that we'd be able to bear and we'd be able to come through this. So Father, I don't know what the answer is, but I believe on the other side, we'll be able to look back and say if it weren't for God, but God, but God kept me sane, but God got me through this. But God salvaged my family. But God, but God. Father, I ask for that anointing and that peace to rule in every mind and every heart in this room that the devil has tormented with a problem and with a storm. That today you speak peace and calm to the rage in Jesus' name. Amen.